You're listening to the Inglewood College Podcast. Inglewood College is a ministry of Inglewood Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee. We believe that just because this season is temporary doesn't mean it can't be deeply transformative. Love God. Love people. Serve the world. Hey, Inglewood College friends. I'm here with week four of our All the Fields series, recording this specifically for the podcast since I missed the night at Sojourn where we would have talked about this. And again, one thing we're trying to do with this series is to take things that we feel and line them up against what we know to be true from God's Word so that we can rightly respond to those feelings. And with this message, we're going to talk about anger. It's an emotion that uh, arises out of something that displeases us. You know, there's all kinds of things that might make you angry. I know every single one of us has little pet peeves or things that bother us. Uh, and then plenty of other things that would bother anybody, right? Uh, like driving with people. Um, I'm not one to have a ton of road rage, but we used to live in Memphis. And I got to tell you, it just wasn't good for my mental state. Uh, driving on interstates and inner city things would just uh, drive me nuts. And uh, I remember just feeling overwhelmed with that sense of like, I would just be embittered by driving next to other people who seemed to have no idea what they were doing uh, and to do dumb things on the road. And in general, I, I think that we all get angry when just people do dumb things, whether on the road or doing anything. When they do something we think is dumb, it bothers us. It makes us angry. Or maybe uh, for you, what gets the most anger out of you is when somebody does something wrong or treats you particularly unfairly. Or maybe it's when we remember what somebody has done wrong to us that makes us angry or embittered. Or maybe it's that we just see other people having wrong done to them and that makes us angry. You know, and that brings up just the fact that there's evil in the world around us and and that alone too can make us angry. Or, uh, you know, maybe when circumstances don't go our way because we live in a fallen world and things mess up. You know, it could be any number of things. Depending on who you are and your temperament, it could be almost nothing or it could be nearly everything. So what do we do about angry feelings? You know, we need to remind ourselves, for one, what's true from God's word and trust that the truth is going to help us to see if our anger makes sense and what we should do about it. So today, with this episode, we're going to be looking at Ephesians 4, 17-32. Okay, and it's a kind of a larger section It talks about several things, but anger is kind of mixed up uh, in the midst of it. So we're going to read this whole section. So starting in Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to go verse 17 through 32. Now I say, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up 
as fits the occasion, and it may that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. So yeah, first things first, this passage from Ephesians is talking about a lot of things. Paul's listing off several ways that our lives should look different now that we know Christ. And anger and related feelings or responses are only one of the things talked about here, but there's some good stuff here for us to consider related to that. So I've got a few points uh, that I want to make. One of those, first being, is that angry feelings are not always sin, but they can lead to sin. You know, he says in verse 26, be angry and do not sin. And I don't think that's necessarily an encouragement to be angry. I don't think Paul is saying, hey, be angry about stuff. It's more of, it's okay to be angry or for those angered feelings to arise, but don't let it lead you to sin. And it's possible. It's possible to be angry about something and not let it lead you to sin. I've seen it happen. There was a season in my ministry, in time in ministry, where I worked primarily with middle schoolers, and uh, middle schoolers can do lots of stuff that irritate you uh, or do you know crazy things that drive you nuts. Um, but I remember one time in particular, we were uh, we had a Super Bowl party at somebody's house. And uh, at the Super Bowl party, if you get a whole bunch of uh, middle schoolers together in one room, anything could happen. But we got in this room in their playroom upstairs, and they had a basketball goal on the wall at this people's these people's house, uh, and all the boys wanted to play basketball. And I had to tell them, hey, no, we're not going to do that. I don't want to break anything. So I hid the basketball. Well, one of our students who was very prone to doing ridiculous things uh, and really doing it by accident found the basketball uh, and then proceeded to try to dunk on this basketball goal that was attached to the wall and ended up putting, I mean, a gigantic hole in the wall. I mean, at least, I mean, it's the size of a middle school body, basically. And I remember going downstairs with him and having a conversation with the mom at the house, and you could just see it in her face, the anger that rose up at that one young man. But man, she handled it with so much grace and tact and uh, knew his family and just handled it so well. So I know it's possible to be angry and not sin. You know, God is even described as having been angry in lots of places, in one of those places being Deuteronomy 6, 14, and 15, Uh, It says, you shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you, for the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from the face, uh, off the face of the earth. And surely God has not sinned in his anger, his is a righteous anger. And then we also read about Jesus tossing temple tables, and, you know, we attribute that often to, you know, he was angry at what was going on in the temple. And so Jesus was righteously angry at times too. And we might believe that we too always have a righteous reason for our anger. But there's a reason that James says what he does in James 1, 19 and 20, where he says this, he says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Be slow to anger. Why? Well, for one, slow to anger is how God described himself. In Exodus 34, when he said, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And he calls us to be holy as he is holy. He calls us to be slow to anger. But I also think it's because 
of what James says in verse 20 there. He said that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There may be a sense of righteous anger, but that's not necessarily what comes most naturally to us. And even if a right anger is what springs up initially in us in response to something, it can easily drift toward an anger that is not helpful, that is unhealthy, and would be sin. Anger can be like an infection that just festers in us and spreads so that every interaction and every thought is tainted with it. It's really hard to control or to keep it from influencing us beyond the situation from which our anger has come up. It's like a fire that can just smolder in us, and at any moment it might break out. You know, Jesus talked about the potential of being angry in Matthew 5, 21 and 22, where he said, You've heard it heard that it was said uh, to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. I think one point of him saying this is that anger builds. It can go from from just anger to then insults and then to regarding your brother as a fool. And based on the verse right before this one, you know, the, these verses that we read, it can get to the point where you're angry at, at somebody is like murder in your heart. And obviously, you know, we need to be careful with our angry feelings. The problem with our angry feelings sometimes is that we assume that we know the situation or the motivations of others and what's right and wrong in the context and whatever it is that's making us mad, you know, we feel like we have an understanding of all these things. And there's a temptation to set ourselves up as the judge, as if we have a perfect basis for for being judge or, you know, even a righteousness of our own that makes us a good judge. And so we can sort of set our, set ourselves up in a role that we don't deserve or doesn't belong to us to be the judge over a situation. And we can justify wrong feeling and thinking and even sinful action in a scenario just because we've leaned on our own understanding a little too much rather than trust the situation and ourselves to the Lord. You know, we're familiar with that language from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 where it uh, says, you know, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and make he'll make straight your paths. But what about the two verses after that? Where he says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. The implication of this is that to do what's wise in our own eyes can lead us to running right into evil. And that evil will eat away at us. So we need to watch ourselves. We don't want to fly off the handle in anger and assume that we're always justified in doing so because we might be running right off into sin in the way that we respond to those natural emotions that arise from angering situations. We need to be careful because the second point is that anger doesn't fit someone who is in Christ. It doesn't fit. We all know the feeling of trying on some item of clothing that just doesn't fit whether it be too small, too large, it's just uncomfortable, doesn't work, it's a bad look, all that. The point of this passage that we read in Ephesians 4 is to say that we are new in Christ, so we should put off the old self that doesn't fit with who we are anymore. We've been made new, so let's put on the new self. We should begin to appropriate what's true of us. We are now in Christ, so let's live out who we are in Christ. 
And that's going to mean that we have new responses to some of the same old circumstances. Some of the same things that would have made us mad before being in Christ, or if we were to be outside of Christ, might make us respond in one way, but we want to respond in a different way now that we are in Christ. We're still going to face situations and deal with people that frustrate us, but who we are and with that, how we respond should not be like an unbeliever. You know, one of the things that might characterize somebody who is not in Christ is anger. If you knew somebody whose life was characterized by anger and bitterness, they were just frustrated all the time, your first assumption would probably not be that they know Jesus. You know, quite different from that, one thing that should characterize our lives is worship. And anger, frustration, bitterness, they've got a way of hindering our worship. If you've ever tried to literally sing in worship, in a worship service, while you're frustrated, you know that this is true. It hinders your ability to do that. So to use the language of this passage, I think that these things and things like them, anger, frustration, bitterness, these things ruling in us would grieve the Holy Spirit. We've been given new minds and new hearts. Our hearts are not darkened anymore. They're not like the rest of the world. You know, our hearts are not hardened. We, we see things in a different light. And now that we've received the Holy Spirit and we know the hope that's in Jesus, Anger, at least the anger of man, shouldn't have quite the same grip on us. And if we're going to have feelings of anger arise, and we still will because we live in a fallen world, we should be careful not to let it lead us to sin. So here's the next point. We need to seek a resolution for our anger quickly. One thing that might make us angry or frustrated is our own sin. Maybe you know the feeling of doing the same thing that you know is sin again and again and just loathing yourself because of it. Or maybe it was failing to do the thing that you know you're supposed to do, and even the thing that you want to do, but you can't seem to do it or make a habit out of doing what is right, and it's frustrating to you. And I want to say it's okay to hate our sin and the sin of others. Romans 12, 9, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what's good. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. But hating sin and having a reaction against it shouldn't lead to hating ourselves or hating other people. The Lord hates sin, and he'll judge people for their sin, but he doesn't hate people. You know, Second Peter, you know, Peter in Second Peter tells us that he doesn't want any to perish in their sin. And so it makes sense for us as his people to hate evil and respond strongly against sin. And yet we don't want, want to become hard-hearted toward the people because that doesn't reflect our Father's heart. And honestly, I think there are times where it's easier to be gracious towards others than ourselves. But just like we don't want to become embittered against somebody else because of their sin, we don't want to let bitterness against ourselves fester either. It's not hating ourselves that's going to help us deal with our ongoing sin, but instead, greater love of God. So instead of sitting in frustration, let's run to the Lord when we sin. Let's be quick to confess and eager to repent and deal with these quickly, these things quickly. And this comes from, I mean, that idea of dealing with or resolving our anger quickly comes from that. Let not, let the, let not the sun go down on our anger. There in verse uh, 26. And so when it comes to our sin, we want to, we want to deal with these things quickly and confess and be eager to repent. But when it comes to other people's sin, there's also a couple things that we might need to do. If the sin that other people are committing that is making us angry is against us, 
we should work toward a willingness to forgive. And I say a willingness because there'll be times when we don't get to extend forgiveness because the person who wronged us doesn't see their sin and they don't want forgiveness. They're not seeking it. But that doesn't change what needs to happen in our hearts. As Christ has forgiven us and stands ready to forgive all who call on him, so we must forgive and stand ready to forgive. Now, if the sin does not involve us, we'll either have an opportunity to confront the sin in a fellow believer with truth and love, or we'll have to trust the Lord with dealing with what's, what's been done in his own way, in his own timing. But either way, we don't hold the position of judge over them. God does. And he can be trusted to set everything right. He is more just than we could ever hope to be. Now, there's also a good chance that plenty of the things that cause angry feelings in us don't involve someone's sin, at least not directly. You know, what do we do then? You know, here also, we take our frustrations to God. We want to submit ourselves to his will to reestablish our trust in his providence over and over again. You know, like we talked about in week three of this series, our prayers are themselves acts of trust and they are trust building for us. And it may be that he has intentionally allowed you to face some of the difficulty that you're facing or the trials that you're facing that have frustrated you. He may be intentionally allowing those things. That could come in a number of ways. It could be that, that you dropped the ball on something, maybe not in a sinful way necessarily, but you have dropped the ball and you're frustrated by the consequences of your own shortcomings. It could be that something has happened, just something that's happened that has made life harder on you whether that be injury or sickness or losing something that you need, fill in the blank, you know? And anger could pop in your head right now just thinking about having to deal with something that is just difficult. Or it could be a disagreement that's come into one of your relationships where you're having a hard time seeing eye to eye and it's tempting everybody in the situation to just be mad at each other. Anything like this, take these things to the Lord. Trust Him with whatever it is and express gratitude for the trial, knowing that God is at work somehow, some way. And that may be difficult to do, but if we trust that he is doing something in us, maybe we begin to see these trials and difficulties. If he is, if he is working to shape us through everything that he allows in our lives, maybe we need to look at the things that we're dealing with as opportunities for God to do necessary work in us. Maybe even an opportunity for you to show Christ-likeness and whatever is frustrating you, your patience, your perseverance, your hope, your peace, your graciousness, and whatever it is that you're walking through could be a faithful witness for Christ to those around you, and maybe especially to anyone with whom you're, you're upset. And here's a big reason for us to say all these things. It is, it is that verse 27, not letting the sun go down in our anger, because in verse 27 it says that we don't want to give the devil any place to mount an attack on us. And here's what it said. It says in verse 27, and give no opportunity to the devil. You probably know that you give sin an inch, it may take a mile. I mean, how many times have we been mad about something and it led us to be flippant with some other temptation that came our way because we were angry? You know, you're frustrated, so you start complaining about anything and everything. Or you're bitter about one situation with one person So you begin to treat every person with a little bit of ugliness because of that that's going on in the back of your mind. Maybe the angry feelings start to get you down, so you indulge in something else as a pick-me-up. 
And again, I'm sure that we all know how anger and frustration can just build on itself when you don't deal with it. And so we don't want to be quick to anger, but we do want to be quick to work through it. Here's our last point. Our auto-responses to life circumstances should transform to look more like humility than anger. Paul gives us a list in verse 31 of anger alongside some other things. And these are things that kind of run together and he says are not worth keeping. They're part of the old self and we're told to put them away. Bitterness is one of them, which essentially is like a resentful spirit. Wrath is one of them, uh, which kind of means like an outburst of our anger. You know, anger is in the list and then clamor, which is really just a shouting, like a shouting against one another. Slander, which comes from really a word that means blasphemy or a slowness to call what is good, good, and bad, bad. Uh, He also lists on their malice, which is just an evil disposition. You know, these things, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice, that doesn't sound like us, does it? At least not who we want to be, not who we know we were made to be in Christ. So then in verse 32, he gives us a different list of what does make sense for us who have received God's grace in Christ. Kindness toward one another is one of the things on the list. And I think what he means by that is is a, a desire to work for one another's good or a working toward one another's good. Paul already mentioned something to that effect multiple times in this passage before verse 32. He's talking about a thief no longer stealing, but working instead in order to give. And then he talks about only letting things out of our mouths that build up. You know, we want to be kind toward one another. That is what should characterize us in Christ. He also lists tenderheartedness. And the Greek word for that is is related to the word for compassion, which is something we often see attributed to Jesus. In this word, it means like a deep gut-level sympathy with others. You know, we're called to be like that. But also forgiving one another is on this list. And again, this is a tough one, but we need to remember this. Every sin is committed against God, first and foremost. It may feel like somebody has done something against you, and it was a grievous thing and frustrated you so so greatly. But every sin is committed ultimately against God. It is most most rebellious against him. And David speaks rightly in Psalm 51.4 where he says, Against you only have I sinned, when clearly he had sinned against other people in this Bathsheba uh, situation. And God is willing to forgive. And he has forgiven us who are in Christ, not only of all that we have done, but all that we're still going to go on to do. And he bears with us as we stumble and even sin against him still in Christ. And Peter asked Jesus how many times to forgive somebody else. And the answer was basically all the times because that's how he's forgiven us. And what do all these things that we're, that we're talking about really require out of us? This whole tenderheartedness, this kindness toward one another, forgiving one another. I think they all require of us humility. And we may, t- we may need to, in humility... Hold up those angry, frustrated, and embittered feelings that we feel and ask them some honest questions. You know, is my anger reasonable or righteous? Or instead, is it self-righteous? You know, have I understood the situation as it really is or have I made assumptions? Has God given me any wisdom in his word for how to deal with something like this? Whatever my situation may be that's frustrating me, is there wisdom for how to deal with it? And have I paid any attention to that wisdom? Has God said anything true about who I am or about my relationship with him that will help me 
put what's making me upset in perspective? What are some things that I need to know that are true about myself in order to handle this rightly? And then finally, am I trusting the Lord in this situation as best I can tell? And that regular act of intentionally thinking through the feelings that we feel, especially with the Word of God open and in prayer, and not just chasing the feelings to whatever end, is a continual submission of our wills to the Lord. And that continual submission of our wills to the Lord changes the auto-response over time to where the things that used to make us angry just automatically might result more in humility automatically instead. And really, all this comes down to not making things about ourselves. This is what humility is. You know, as C.S. Lewis put it, he said, not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. In order to do that, we're going to have to lean into God's grace again and again. Whether or not our spirit will respond to angering circumstances and people with grace and humility comes down to how much we lean into His grace toward us and do so on a regular basis. So what kind of grace have we received from the Lord? Our sin and rebellion should only anger Him. And yet He has shown us grace. His compassion has reached out to us. He has given us Christ, He has given us His Spirit, and He has made us new so that we might continually put on Christ. So come what may, let us not allow anger to lead us to sin, but rather trust the Lord, look to extend His grace to others, and walk in humility. All right, that's it for this episode of the podcast. That's it for week four of all the Feels series. Hopefully week five will be out soon and we'll be starting a new series soon as well. Hope you guys are having a, a great day. Let me let me pray for us as we close out um, this message. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the way that you love us. I thank you for your grace. Help us to extend your grace to others. Help us to be patient and kind. Lord, help us to put on Christ and to not live like those who don't have any hope or don't have anyone to trust with our lives and our circumstances. Lord, thank you for being trustworthy, for loving us the way that you do. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.